Good morning, everybody. It's a few minutes after. Good to see everybody today. <clears throat> this morning, we are going to continue in our study of the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open your Bibles up to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Last week, we began to study chapter 1, <clears throat> and as we notice, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 1 serves as the introduction to this entire book, to this entire collection of Proverbs <coughs> written by Solomon and collected by Solomon. And what was, <clears throat> what was the intent that we noticed in the first seven verses for the writing and the piecing together of, of this book of Proverbs. What was the intention in this book? Just a little review here for a few minutes to get our minds on track. Verse 7 we talked about was the theme. That was the cornerstone verse of the entire book, chapters 1 through 31. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And with that, we talked about that was the first proverb given in the book of Proverbs. That contrast between <clears throat> someone who fears the Lord and the fear of the Lord versus the fool who despises wisdom and instruction, wisdom and discipline. The intent, as we notice in the first six verses of the writing of the book of Proverbs, was to know wisdom and instruction. That is, to have wisdom and instruction written down for us to read, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. So not only to know these words, but to receive them willingly, and that takes a disposition, a humble spirit, righteousness, justice, equity, this proper moral path, this ideal, to give prudence to the simple. And we'll be talking about the simple a lot more today. Giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, and the audience wasn't just the simple in receiving this letter. Who else could benefit from studying this book? The wise. Let the wise hear and increase in their learning. Again, wisdom and a wise person is someone who understands their need and understands their dependence on continuing to learn. And the, under, the one who understands to obtain guidance. So we're talking a lot about navigating our way through life. And putting ourselves on the right path. And then verse 6, the purpose of our study. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. So to understand a proverb and a saying. Okay, and we talked about last week, some versions would say, 
I believe in place of riddles, a dark saying, something that when you read on the surface, you might not quite understand it. But when you think about it and continue to mull over it, there's a, a deeper and deeper meaning that's attributed to these different principles that are taught. Last week we studied verses 8 through 19. And as we talked about in our outline, <clears throat> verse 8 of chapter 1 opens up this first, call it half, it's not quite half, this first half of the book of Proverbs. And this section from verse 8 of chapter 1 through the end of chapter 9, the picture that's given is a father talking to his son. And he is talking to his son about life in a very practical manner. And it seems that this is absolutely a one-sided conversation. Father pleading with his son to hear his instruction and to not forsake the mother's teaching. Okay, the, the idea seeming to be that this is a son who is perhaps adolescent in age, maybe 16, 20 years old, about to go out into the world. And the father knows the temptations that this boy is about to be presented with. The father and the mother knows that life is hard and there are challenges, especially for a young person. But to keep the teachings. In verse 9, a graceful garland for your head, pendants for your neck. And so we begin to see this writing style of Proverbs is rich in imagery. And we talked about last week this graceful garland for your head, pendants for your neck, and how deep just those two lines is and how much meaning you can draw from two quick lines. And we'll talk about that a little more as we get into our text for this morning. So the text for today that I'd like to take a look at is verse 20 through the end of chapter 1. And before we get too much further in our study, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our God in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we're thankful for the light of a new day. We praise you as our God and our creator. We acknowledge you for who you are. We're thankful for the opportunity that we have to assemble here this morning as a body of your people. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to hear and to understand your word. We pray for your wisdom to be imparted. We pray for insight as only you could provide. We're so thankful for Jesus, our King and High Priest, and it's in his high and holy name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> What I'd like to do is just read verse 20 through 33, and then we'll go back and pick it apart and see, see what we can learn. So verse 20 reads, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? 
If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen. have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. A serious passage of Scripture. A serious tone. And an urgent plea. Verse 20, we see introduced wisdom as a woman. I believe I'd mentioned last week that these first nine chapters, if there was a theme, it might well be this decision that the boy has to make between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And in verse 20, we see wisdom as a woman introduced. And is there an elephant in the room to this, does that is that just completely obvious? We just talk about Lady Wisdom, just like it's. Does that make sense to everybody? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? What that might mean? Maybe men are not wise. Okay. <laughs> um, and coming from a man, so you you can say that, I guess. Um, you know, all the commentaries that I'd read and people I've talked to, this you know would say this is. The personification of wisdom. This is wisdom personified. And that's true. But I don't know if that's as deep as it really is. Because we see here that this woman seems to have some sort of authorization on wisdom. Seems to be a source of wisdom, perhaps. And I think we'll see that a lot more all the way through chapter 9. So, wisdom personified. And what does this say in the first few verses here about the nature of Lady Wisdom? She's crying aloud in the streets. What, what does this say about Lady Wisdom? To me, it means that it's everyone. This guy tapped into It's everywhere? Okay, so she has made herself... And her words, her wisdom accessible to, to all people? Absolutely. Perhaps it's the saying that she is not afraid of strangers, not afraid of sinners. John? This section, I always think of Romans chapter 1 and how Paul and the Spirit describe how creation speaks to what is right speaks to the nature of God. I think this is exactly the same thinking God has put in all around us. 
but with him, his nature, who he is, as well as the wisdom. Yes. It's part of his creation. We can choose to acknowledge it. Not saying that tree teaches me wisdom, but the way he has built us and incorporated us into creation in our minds and our souls, and the way that we can observe his law that is and who he is leads to wisdom and came or we can ignore it. It's all around us and in Romans one I believe it was there without excuse. Okay, so and we'll see that more in the, just these next couple of verses. Great observation. It's reminding me of the the parable Luke fifteen, the great banquet, when the master of the house sent out the invitations and they were all beginning to make excuses and then he sent the servants out and said, Go out to the highways and the byways. This is for everybody. My house will be filled. Okay, so reminiscent of that perhaps. And who is the audience that wisdom is calling to in these verses? Who is she crying out to? The simple ones. Okay, we talked about that last week in the first six verses. The simple being someone who is different from a fool. It's not the same individual, at least not yet. A simple is someone who is open to receiving instruction, who is open to wisdom, but someone who is vulnerable and someone who is perhaps in some way adrift and if they're not careful, can easily be persuaded. Maybe naive. Naive. Naive is, yes, ma'am. Naive or inexperienced. So when we think of simple minded, we think of someone that's not really too bright. And that's not what is Absolutely. Because he's expecting them to understand. Yes, ma'am. And if they're not careful, they could eventually calcify into a fool, but they're not a fool. But they, how long will you love being simple? So how long are you unwilling to part with just being simple? Who else is this talking to? Who else is wisdom crying out to? Verse 22 and, well verse 22 is two groups. Scoffers, those who are mocking the ways of God, the proud, the arrogant. And we see the flip side of that in verse 26, which we read. And fools who hate knowledge. And why do fools hate knowledge? Yes, ma'am. It doesn't go along with their train of thought. It exposes their sin and exposes their need for wisdom and instruction and, and God's guidance in their lives. And the fool is not willing to accept rebuke. Absolutely. In verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. What does turning at reproof 
imply. Not, you know, bolstering up against okay. heating. heating the call. Splenda, did you have something? Okay. Responding. <laughs> Responding. Okay. Uh, maybe repentance, a change of heart. And notice that that change, that turn, is the result of something. Okay, they're not changing on their own. They're changing because of the, the words of wisdom. They're hearing the words and receiving it. You have to receive the word in order to change. And I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Maybe if, you, if we didn't know that this was poetry, if we didn't realize the characteristics of Hebrew poetry and parallelism, that these lines are rhyming in thought and not in phonetic sound, you might would ask the question, what does it mean that I will pour out my spirit to you? And is that something different than I'll make my words known to you? But the parallel is that they are the same. So I'll make my words known to you as the clarifier. So I will pour out my spirit to you I'll make my words known to you. So what will happen if these people change and heed the call? Isn't that wisdom? Excuse me? Isn't that wisdom? Yeah, Lady Wisdom is willing to abundantly give knowledge and instruction and wisdom to abundantly pour out this, this wisdom that, that they so desperately need. And results in verse 33, they will be at ease. Yes, they will dwell secure. The, the path of wisdom ultimately leads to this protection. And there's not a dread of disaster. And <clears throat> so we see a role that Lady Wisdom is playing. She's out in the street. She's proclaiming wisdom. And if you think about it, you know, this could absolutely point to Jesus. And I think we'll, we'll talk a lot more about Jesus in the coming chapters, especially chapter 8 and 9. But we see wisdom personified in Jesus outright in the New Testament in several passages. But this role of wisdom crying out in the street, trying to turn somebody on the right path, and do we not share in that role? Does that make sense? We share in that heavenly calling. Chapter one, earlier in chapter 1, the graceful garland for your head, pendants for your neck. One of the observations that we made from that last week was that we take it with you. Wherever you, we go, we take the words of wisdom, the words of God with us. And that when other people see it, it should point them to the right path. So we share in this role. Any thoughts on that, comments? Hope that makes sense. 
Verse 24, I've called and you refused to listen. Stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. So this idea of a friend motioning with his hands, come on, turn in here. You would have none of my reproof. Ignored all my counsel. So what does the, the mocker and the fool do with the advice that Lady Wisdom is giving? Ignore it. Disregard it. Okay, they've taken this advice and done nothing with it. All of this wisdom that Lady Wisdom is trying to empower the fool and the mocker with and the simple with in their life, but they've taken it and done nothing with it. And then the end result of that and the position that that leaves them in is what John was talking about. They're without excuse. The advice was given. They refused to listen. Okay, when it goes back to the first seven verses, receiving instruction, it takes humility. And then what are the consequences that we see of not listening to wisdom and not receiving her instruction? Verse 26 through really 32. Anguish, distress. Okay, Lady Wisdom is saying, I will also laugh at your calamity. So the mocker was mocking the wisdom of God. And now Lady Wisdom is mocking their wisdom. And I don't think that it means laugh literally. This doesn't mean that Lady Wisdom or God is getting any kind of pleasure out of seeing the fool and the mocker be destroyed. I don't think that's the, the essence at all. But terror and calamity is going to come like a whirlwind. And again, giving prudence to the simple. Because the storms of life will inevitably come. And it may seem that they're coming out of nowhere. It may seem that we're not ready. We're not, expect, we're not expecting it to come. Distress and anguish come upon us. So the opposite, the counter, would be to prepare, to be ready. In verse 28, they'll call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Okay, what does verse 28 imply? Yes, sir. Basically, what he's saying here is, I gave you my law. You didn't follow it. So I'm turning my back on you and let you go your own way. They get into trouble because they go off into captivity and everything else. They're turning their back. And that's, you know, that's exactly what the fool and the mocker and the simple, especially with the fool and the mocker, they've turned their back on God. They've turned their back on the instruction of wisdom. Absolutely. It happens today, and we've got to be careful that it's not us, that we don't turn our backs on the wisdom of God. But it also seems like they perceive themselves as well. They, they still feel like they can call out to God. Yes. They feel like he's there when they give no input to 
time until they feel like they need it. I'm not there. And that kind of, if, if they're calling out to him, they know that he's there. And that's even worse. It makes the situation worse. But the sense of urgency, and we see this throughout the Bible, but the sense of urgency that there is coming a day when the gate will have been shut. The door will be closed one day. And at that point, the only thing that will be left to do for the fool and the mocker, those who did not heed the instruction of wisdom, would be to suffer the consequences of their actions that are naturally going to follow. And that's a tragic scenario. And in verse 29, verse 30, we see the core of their problem. They hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all of my reproof. So this is absolute foolishness. It's irrational. They have completely turned their backs on God and on the instruction of wisdom. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way, have their fill of their own devices. The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. What do we learn from those couple verses? Yes, ma'am. You reap what you sow. And sometimes it may not be an outright rebelling, an outright turning away from the instruction of God. It may be complacency, but we see that the result is the same. Complacency and outright rebellion are going to inevitably lead to the same place. And in reading through Proverbs, a recurring theme in the book of Proverbs is this idea of, of prudence and of being diligent, being proactive, rejecting passivity, taking steps now while God can still be found, realizing that one day he will not be found unless we're there with him. And preparing now before the storms of life come. Verse 33, as Alan mentioned, this is the result, on the contrary, of receiving the instruction. And what does verse 33 tell us? It's just saying you're not going to live in fear. You know, it's, it referred to that earlier about <clears throat> living in fear or terror. You do this and there is no fear. You're secure. You're secure. You're secure. So there's a, a comfort. And we know from Proverbs and from wisdom that this is heavenly, godly wisdom godly advice on how to best live our lives here and now 
but also for our lives to come, our spiritual lives and the life that will surely come. So we see Lady Wisdom saying, in essence, what will it be? What do you want? Do you want life and protection? Or do you want to take the path of folly, which will lead to destruction? And we've seen that very quite clearly stated already in chapter 1. There are consequences to our actions, and passivity is not an option. Any thoughts, comments so far on chapter 1? Psalm 2 is a great picture of this choosing to be on the side of the victor and having the wisdom to know of where our choices are going to lead. Wisdom, as we talked about, is, is something that can be gained by experience in our own life's experience, but also the experience of others. So this observing and being more observant of, of what's around us and what other people have experienced. And we don't have to live, we don't have to go down the path of folly and suffer to realize that that was a bad choice. Lady Wisdom is, is crying out, don't, you don't have to do that. Choose, choose wisdom now. Yes, sir. And, and, and being an observant and <clears throat> with the lens of, of godly wisdom and looking at people who are, and that's what we're talking about in Proverbs, this is experience living life in a godly way. And, and as you said, there, the application is everywhere. It's not just wisdom in the, in the meeting house, it's wisdom at home. It's wisdom in our families and at work. There are applications throughout our lives. Yes, and that's what God would have for his people, is peace. And, and realizing that when the storms come, being grounded in the truth and the wisdom of God, I believe Proverbs chapter 10 speaks to that. Um, verse 
25, when the tempest passes, when the storm passes, the wicked is no more. But in contrast, the righteous is established forever. So, do you want peace? Do you want life now and to come? Or are you just going to watch yourself destroy yourself? The, the choice is, is ultimately ours. And <clears throat> what are these words of wisdom for us today? If wisdom was crying out and willing to pour out the Spirit and making her words known, what, where are these words today? Is she still speaking? Is it perhaps here could be pointing to chapters 10 through 31 of Proverbs <clears throat> or just all of Scripture, the law? As Christians, the entire Bible. But wisdom is still crying out and the words are still available and accessible to us. But we've got to change. and We've got to realize our dependence on her. <clears throat> Any questions or comments before we go into chapter 2? All right. <clears throat> so you may be saying, well, this sounds important. This sounds absolutely vital and critical. There's a necessity of obtaining wisdom, and there is. Okay, wisdom isn't something that is merely a virtue that would be nice to have. It's actually a requirement. We have to have wisdom. We must strive to obtain wisdom. And how do we get it? How do we actually get wisdom? Well, we come to chapter 2. I'll read verses 1 through 9 or so, verses 1 through 11, and we'll see if we can figure out what this means for us in our lives today as Christians. <clears throat> my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand the righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. So how do we get wisdom? How can it be obtained? Has to be sought. Has to be sought. You have to want it. You have to go ahead. Evan. Yeah. 
Great observation, Evan. And you know, we just read about wisdom was crying out. Well, our response has to be the same. We have to cry back out to, to wisdom and to God. So in verse 1 of chapter 2, we have to receive the words. We have to be able, we have to have the willingness to allow these words of wisdom to be implanted into our hearts. Treasuring up my commandments with you. What does that picture give? Treasuring up commandments. How do we view the teaching of wisdom? Yes, ma'am. Remembering, um, placing a very significant value. So how do we value wisdom's instruction, the words of wisdom? Turn our ears towards wisdom. So pay attention. We're listening for it. We're observing. Incline my heart. With every verse here, it's intensifying. It's building on one another. Inclining my heart to your understanding. Okay, so this idea of heart, as we know in Scripture, is an all-encompassing term representing all of who we are in our innermost soul. Okay, inclining our, our thoughts, as you had mentioned, getting our, how do we really feel inside? Calling out for insight. How do we call out for insight and raise our voice for understanding today, you think? Okay. <clears throat> Reaching out to others, asking for others' uh, counsel. What about prayer? Can't get higher than God. And if we're going to ask for wisdom, as we've talked about in this class, who do we ask? James chapter 1. Ask God who gives generously. Asking God through prayer to impart his wisdom into our lives and into the lives of those around us, praying for one another. Praying for godly wisdom. And that's so important. Seeking for wisdom as for hidden treasures. Okay, as Evan has mentioned, this is not just a hobby. Um, seeking for hidden treasures. How do people tend to, people who search for hidden treasures, how do they tend to do that? What kind of pursuit are they in? People looking for Civil War relics, you know, they're out there with a metal detector and they spend all day walking through a field looking for something. It requires effort. It requires a whole lot of effort, and it's, it's an actual pursuit. And so a question of this, <clears throat> this invitation 
and, ha- and showing us, teaching us how to receive this wisdom in our lives and Im- implement this wisdom into our lives, do we feel that we can relate to these first few verses of chapter 2? Is this how we feel that we pursue God's wisdom today in our lives? How are we doing with that? There seems to be a protocol here for attaining wisdom. How motivated are we to truly seek and obtain wisdom, to lay hold of wisdom? So, a challenge for all of us. And I know that I have a lot of motivating of myself to do to to better match the first few verses here of chapter 2. Any thoughts, comments on that so far? Yes, ma'am. We have to we have to mine the scriptures to find it, but it is there, and we can do it, and it is accessible, and it's not impossible. And the mystery has been made known. The wisdom of God and the the treasure of His wisdom has been found in Jesus. And I think that's so important in our reading of Proverbs is to see God in the Scripture and to see Jesus in the Scripture. And this is pointing, I believe, to Jesus. And as mentioned, I, I think chapter 8, we're really going to talk, see that more clearly. And hopefully that'll help point us on the right path and point to a, a person who absolutely embodied wisdom. And maybe Lady Wisdom here being a placeholder for Jesus who would be the embodiment of God's wisdom. Um, We've only got a few minutes left here. Um, Next week, we will pick up here, um, starting in verse 6, talking about where do we get wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom. And we will, we'll just continue through the, the rest of chapter 2 next week. Appreciate everybody's comments this morning.